0: We talk PT, drink beer, and record it.
1: Like craft beer for your ears.
0: This is the PT Pinecast. All right. Says we're live. Hi, how are you? In, uh, I feel like I'm ready to go. Uh, what's up? My name is Drew McKay, and this is PT Pinecast. We have a great show for you tonight. But before we get started, I wanted to say thanks to one of our newest sponsors. Uh, we actually did an episode on CBD and how that comes into play. And really the research, like you need more. But right now, your patients might be walking into your clinic and saying, like, hey, I'm taking this. And you're like, OK, I don't know what that is or how that might interact. I should know more. Uh, so there's this organization, CBDRx4U. Uh, it's run by a couple of physicians. They've got the information about it. People using it for, like, sleep and and wellness and uh, stress reduction. People just taking it just because their friend told them to. Uh, maybe you should know more about it. So that's what, uh, that's what they're trying to do is educate people. And they figured, hey, why not start with clinicians since you guys are – you know, spending a lot of time with your patients, and you probably should know a little bit about or at least what's going on. Uh, cannabinoids. Did I do that one right? Because I think during the interview, I said it wrong. Uh, cbdrx for you is the website. They've got like 500 locations, but uh, go in there and ask for the information, right? You just go to their website and check out that information. Because if your patients are walking in and taking that while they're in your course of treatment, maybe maybe have a clue. Maybe ask that question, right? Are you on any medications? No. What's that heart medication you got there? Oh, well that. Yeah, that. And the CBD, right. I'm taking those okay. So at least know what this thing is. So again, cbdrx4u.com So thanks for those guys for helping to sponsor the show plus. We're giving away some uh, pine classes with those guys. Uh get uh get in on the pine uh, class giveaway. We'll mail it to you uh, online at ptpinecast.com for free. Just put your name in there and we one of these things just might show up at your house. You never know. All right, that's all I got to say about that. Let's start the show. All right, kids we're doing this thing uh welcome to pt pinecast a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on uh amazing insight remarkable ideas and motivational stories in the world of physical therapy my mom's. she's like you just she's not in healthcare at all but she's like i feel like your podcast thing that you do you're just trying to be the jimmy fallon of physical therapy I'm like yeah i just want to sit next to people who are very talented and have them make me look talented by association so that's what we're doing uh, on the socials at pt pinecast make sure you subscribe uh, to the show. Again, Subscribing to the show is free. iTunes, Google play audible. I literally accidentally typed in PT Pinecast on Amazon just to see what would come up. And it was like, download an episode. I was like, Oh yeah. I submitted to audible a while ago. I was like, Oh crap. They have podcasts. So if you're on the Amazon dime, uh you can get us on audible too i found out about that today uh do you want to say happy saint patrick's day to everybody i just found out or just realized it was saint patrick's day again uh so Salancha, i don't know everybody thinks i'm irish my last name is mckay but my family's from scotland so i'm just gonna get that i'm gonna get out of the way right away uh great uh repeat guest uh saturday night live does the whole thing like the five timer show where they bring back everybody who's like hosted the show like steve, and it's like legends like like paul simon steve martin chevy chase uh justin timberlake they did a, a, a recent one and i feel like i didn't count but this guy's got to be in the lead right now on repeat guests of a show let's bring him in uh you might know him from from uh, pt inquest uh, pt podcast network the science pt uh welcome back to the show eric Mera.
1: There he hey, is, Jimmy. How's it going? Yeah, I I honestly, uh, I'm trying to remember so, how long we've known each other. <laughs> well, you were nice
0: enough. And I said this last time, I think when we recorded in person, which was at some conference, a million, I don't know when it was because they blend together now. But um, you were like one of my first six episodes. I like launched with a six pack and you were like, yeah, I like." I mean, and again, like people that you've been doing podcasts since 2011. I started in 2015. So I remember just emailing. and I'm like, this guy's cool on Twitter. I'll interview him. And you were like, okay. And I was in the basement of like my, my apartment, like in PT school. And my roommate was next to me, like off mic, but he was texting me stuff to ask you. <laughs> and he was, and now this, and I remember like the interview went on so long that I was like I don't even know what we're talking about anymore but I don't want to hang up because I like everything that's going on so uh welcome back to the show we do want to make sure people know where they can listen to eric I th- I don't know if it's official or anything but you've got to be like the largest journal club podcast in physical therapy right well just we are we just said it so you are you're a largest sure, yeah PT inquest you and JW Matheson um, and something we mentioned, or it came up in conversation last time, you get CEUs for listening to your podcast,
1: true or false uh, for, for a couple episodes. Yeah. We, we, That's we cool. thought about doing it last year that, uh, we were going to do, um, offer CEUs for every episode and we would do one a month and it would be on a topic and then we would get it certified and we would, you know, produce a video feed for it and produce, um, you know, a a question, a quiz and things like that, that, that people could take in order to uh, get the credit. And, uh, and then we realized how much work and money that cost, And so we only did it for two.
0: (laughs) A lot. All right. Well, Hey, those two are still out there. So you got that. Uh, So first question we usually ask people on the show. Hardest question is what are we drinking tonight Uh, on St. Patrick's day?
1: Well, I, I didn't do a good job with the St. Patrick's Day, but I, I made myself a whiskey salad. Uh, yeah, sour, so. so not a mick whiskey ultra. salad. That's a different drink entirely. I'm, I would assume.
0: I'm doing a mick ultra because I just forgot to go buy beer, and I'm like, that's all I had. <laughs> and kind of all right. Well, cheers to you.
1: It, 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 is it the mick ultra with just a regular one, or is it the one with the with like the uh, the lime and and cactus no, just pear?
0: Regular. No, they. Oh, I don't okay. get too crazy with my water. My regular. Just could, this is a Wednesday beer. Right, for me right now. Uh, thanks to our friends at Owens recovery science. They sponsor the first round, uh, BFR as the cool kids are talking about it. You guys have done BFR episodes, right? Yeah. We've well, got- done
1: an episode. Yeah. And I, I know the guys at, uh, at Owens, uh, they're, they're friends of mine.
0: Yeah. Johnny and Kyle, those guys are all over and amongst mm-hmm. others, owensrecoveryscience.com science.com. They have their own podcast because at this point, uh, more, more people, 51% of the population or more now has a podcast. So if you okay. don't have a podcast, you are in fact in the minority. Uh, if you're looking to get certified and have the equipment to apply it properly in clinical practice, owensrecoveryscience.com. All right. So my first question really is like just a kind of open ended, like what's new, like what's, what's been going on in the last year with you?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure when the last time uh, I, I chatted with you, you know, in the last year, I don't know if you know about this, but there was a, there's been a pandemic Heard. That has kind of uh, shut things down a little bit. So, um, I actually, uh, I, I kind of pivoted, as the cool kids say, um, and and I had just sold my practice uh, the year before and was working for the the new entity that had bought it, just as a as a clinic director. And you know, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't enjoying the day to day part of the business world of of physical therapy practice and so uh, i was already trying to back off and focus more on continuing education type things and uh when the pandemic hit you know what i did is i first off i immediately contacted them and say look stop paying me because you have you have pts that you need to pay for and this thing is going to shut us down hard and of course, you know, some of the feedback I got was, well, you know, we're only supposed to be shut down for six weeks. Like that's not like, how this is gonna work. Writing on the wall here, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, trust me, you don't want to be carrying my salary. So um I just took a step back, you know, I'd saved a little money and and felt pretty secure taking a step back at least for a little bit. Um, and I had fortunately, um in September of 2019, I had recorded my weekend course. I just, it it was a course up in Alaska and go figure not a ton of people show up when you do a course up in Alaska. And so I just brought a camera, set it up on tripod and asked the host to, Hey, could you just record the whole thing? And then I spent the first couple of weeks of the pandemic producing it as a online course. And um, that's kind of the main thing I do. And and since then, I've been working on a new course that's coming out kind of on foundations of physical therapy practice. Um, I hear a lot of people coming out of school. Uh, A lot of the schools kind of have a lot of different things that they're teaching in different ways. Um, And then people feel like they kind of get out and don't really know what to do. And so this one is really geared towards um, either either new professionals uh that are just trying to get an uh, get a handle on on how to approach practice, uh right. also people trying to get back into orthopedics. I know a lot of people will go a different route for a while and then maybe they're trying to get back into outpatient orthopedics. Um, and then also people who are have just um been out for a while and they're like, I, I just want a, a new way of thinking about things. Uh so pretty much from that perspective. Yeah. Um,
0: I love how you say, which is like a new perspective, and that's really like if you follow people who are, I consider like the good influencers online who a lot of people who like have a consistent message, like a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Do you follow Gary V at all? He's just kind of like, he's a guy who you might come across be like, this guy is a douche. And then you stop listening to how he says stuff. Cause he's super abrasive. Like he's a New York guy. Like just, okay. Super and then you start listening to like how, and believe me, I'm a New York guy. So I can say we're super abrasive. Yeah, yeah. And then you start listening to what he's saying which is I might need to say the same thing 50,000 times, which is like, be authentic, be consistent. And sometimes you just need it that 501st time in a different way. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that. And then you look back and you're like, everything else said that, but I needed to hear it 500 times. So I mean, we're humans, right? And we get in ruts. And that's why there are things like social media feeds, if you use them well, or courses for a refresher. And when you can find a good one um, those things can change your day to day. They can change your practice, so it can change your patient outcomes, but it can change your day-to-day environment, which is kind of refreshing.
1: So Yeah, and I would say Well, I was gonna say, and the other thing with that that class is or that that course that I'm doing is that we um you know, it's not just outpatient orthopedic stuff. As a matter of fact, very little of it gets to that. It does get into like biomechanics, basics of biomechanics, basis of how handheld dynamometers work, uh, you know, some of these types of things, which honestly kind of applies across a lot of different settings. But the bulk of it is on, you know, what what is the practice of science? What is evidence-based practice? How do you merge these things together? What is patient-centered care? Why does diversity matter? Some of these concepts that are a little more universal to, to the profession as well.
0: Yeah, uh, the sciencept.com, that's where they can find it, right? Yep. Um, you, you had something that was in episode, I gotta dig this up again. I know we, we did it as like a throwback Thursday once, but like the line still stays with me and has kept my entire foot out of my mouth in person and online, which, and the line was, science says, this is what we know now. And I have kept that with me through PT school and, you know, and beyond. And I've said, oh, yeah. And it, it just you, and the way you kind of set it up in that in an episode was um, if you look for people who speak in absolutes, like that person's eventually going to be kind of proven wrong or something's going to come along. So if you say this is what we understand now. So I want to I just want to repeat that because I've repeated that a lot or at least internally before something else shot out of my mouth. I'm like, OK, well, that's what we know now. But because you see all the time, well, that tweet did not age well, uh, because those yes. things are those things are permanent. Right. So yep. I want to commend you on that. Um, how does that feel? I mean, that was like five years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what I like to point out is and, and I have a whole uh, talk just on how not to be wrong. And so there's a difference between being right and not being wrong. Uh, I will say it is almost impossible to be right. It is actually not very hard to not be wrong and not being wrong means that you are hedging your bets and you're thinking about all the different possibilities and so what a lot of people hear when they say well that's what science knows now um they think oh so that means that i can keep believing the thing the the crazy thing over here that i want to hold on to and it's like no actually it's to say that you need to hold on loosely to that and keep considering all the other possible things. And, and it's one of the things that uh, we're, we're trying to, to kind of clean up a little bit in, in the physical therapy research in particular is, is how do we know when we know something? And the reality is, is, is a lot of kind of what's in our literature is not, um, not as clean as we would like it to be. And it makes it really hard for us as clinicians to have a ton of confidence in a lot of the things that we do.
0: Right. Just make sure you, uh, when you're holding on loosely, you don't let go. There was no way I was letting the 38th special, uh, uh, pun go and go by. I had, <laughs> I, had to, I had to bring that one back up.
1: Well, the thing um, I, I say all the time is when in doubt, doubt.
0: Yeah. Well, I, one thing that hit me was, and I didn't learn about, um, logical fallacies until PT school and Twitter Honestly, like, P- Twitter while I was in PT school. And I was like, Oh, I do these. And I, i hear these and oh so that Here, those here's discuss- a
1: bonus question for you who came up with the logical fallacies originally
0: oh is this like one of the greek guys yes oh i don't know uh so Socrates?
1: nope nope uh two I'm- two after him uh aristotle
0: aristotle, so
1: aristotle, I mean- aristotle with the organon that was the first textbook of how to science He's the one that laid out the idea of like correlation does not equal causation and these types of things. And so that's actually to comfort you that it is old and we have always done it. It is rooted in who we are to have these fallacies in our heads.
0: Right. But the thing that shocked me so much about log- logical fallacies is I didn't you know know about them, but I was doing them. So it's like you just yes. repeat what you see. It's like, oh, I've seen I'm watching these people argue. So now I now I know now I know how to argue. Right. But mm-hmm. you're watching them argue improperly, I guess. I don't know if I'm using the term like, you know, the, the, but like you're watching them arguing like you're not you're not actually arguing. You're not. This is apples and oranges. You're not getting anywhere. Neither mm-hmm. of you is being right. And in fact, both of you are being wrong. Um. Mm-hmm. might you might have been closer to right you might be what's the point are you trying to win the argument or understand something and that's where i was when when i saw that the it was somebody did a really great spread maybe it was adam or you somebody shared like the 12 commandments of logical fallacies and i was like oh my gosh there's so many different ways someone can structure an argument to appear right
1: (laughs) and and have you seen have you seen ad Hoculi? no so it's you know who ed Hoculi is Okay, yeah. So yeah, he's the, uh, he's an official for the NFL. He's right. known for being the muscle bound <laughs> official for he's NFL. Well, somebody made a whole stream of memes of ad him hoc. calling out logical fallacies and it's just pictures of him on the field. And it's like throwing the flag. That's Love an it. ad hominem. That's a, that's a straw man. That's yeah. a correlation does not equal causation. So yeah, they're, they're fabulous.
0: Jason Craig, my former, uh, my PT school professor saying St. Patrick's day. And he's from Ireland, so I always hear whatever he writes in tweets and stuff in his Irish accent. So happy St. Patrick's Day as well, Jason. Uh, questions or comments for the the Science PT? Uh, feel free to do that. If you're doing it live, let us know where you're uh, watching the broadcast. If you're watching a live stream from, uh, you can also do it on replay. We'll make sure uh, Eric gets the questions as well. So you've worked in the many faces of sports PT. I feel like if we went through like all the cool stuff that you've like kind of created, and before before we went on, uh, we were talking with uh, producer Teo who goes to Ithaca, right? Yeah, yes. okay, Ithaca and Utica can confuse all the time.
1: And I feel bad because every time we, I go we establish this, it is Ithaca.
0: And uh, in one of the many faces of sports PTs, one of your first Instagram posts Big big full room. He's like, I'm actually in that. He was like, he was like wearing that like a badge of eyes. Like, I'm in that, I'm in that picture. If you zoom in, I'm a guy on the left. So that's pretty cool. So talk about the many faces of sports PT because I feel like this is something that whenever it comes up, people always speak about how much value they get out of just being around those people.
1: Yeah. So that actually kind of a funny story with that. And that that literally is my very first Instagram post is the picture that I had somebody from the audience take of me and the audience there. But many faces, it started um uh, in 2010 uh at a CSM and it was when I was a I think I was membership, I was definitely the the chair of the hip special interest group. Yeah, there's the picture. Uh,
0: <laughs> and there's Teo. Teo's like, I'm behind the guy, I'm behind George Davies. I'm like, oh, there you are.
1: Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was um I was uh this the the chair of the hip sig uh back then. I was also the uh, probably still on the membership committee at the time, and, and what used to be called the sports section was now the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy. And I remember just just wanting to to kind of sell sports physical therapy a little bit more, kind of sell the academy a little bit more. Um, and what I meant by mean by that is that with um, I would look around and see how many people were coming up as students wanting to get into sports physical therapy, but ending up getting into something else, kind of out a necessity and not really feeling like they had a path into sports physical therapy. And so what we were seeing from the academy side was we would have tons of student members, and then we would had this huge drop-off after they would graduate because a lot of them just didn't feel like they could get that. And so I personally had experienced that coming out of school, uh, in the, in the, in the late nineties, uh, which was a little bit of a while ago now, but, um, I remember coming out and I just loved sports medicine. I wanted to do for sports medicine. I interned at the university of Florida with our football program. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And then I graduated and I had no pathways to that. And I ended up just starting to work in, in, um, just in a, in a, a hospital setting up in uh, Washington, DC. And then, you know, I kind of worked my way through and got into sports medicine practice kind of my own way. And I saw all the different settings that sports physical therapy therapists worked in. So they don't just work with sports teams. They also work in the community. They also work in academics. They work with pediatrics. Uh, They work with geriatrics. They work with uh, team sports. Um, so many different settings, uh, and, and, and my thinking was, well, there's so many different faces to sports physical therapy. Wouldn't it be cool if we just did a session where we just shared our story of how we got to where we are and they gave us the smallest room at CSM that, you know, sports, the academy, the sports academy gets fairly large rooms in general, but it was the smallest one for, for the academy. And, you know, they picked the stuff almost a year ahead of time. And so by the time CSN is actually rolling around, everybody's like, why did we pick this stupid session? You know, (laughs) we could have had these other great sessions going and people were, you know, laughing about it, how this is dumb. Nobody's going to go to this. And we had, uh, I think it was seven or eight speakers and they're all people I knew. And we were, we were laughing that there's going to be more of us there than, than, um, than the attendees. And so the, st- the story I have to tell is that, uh, it was over at the Hilton in San Diego, which is off site a little bit from the convention center. So you had to walk over there to get to the room. And so I was walking over there with Mark Paterno, who is one of the speakers, He's Cincinnati Children's Hospital, uh, and, and a good friend of mine and was gracious enough to do many faces with me. And so we're walking over there and we're laughing about how there's nobody going to be there. There's nobody going to be there. And as we're walking, we hear overhear some people saying, Hey, what session are you going to? And they're like, Oh, I'm going to that many faces of sports PT. And we're like hitting each other and the shoulder, like, hey, look, there's gonna be somebody there. There's gonna be these two people there. And as we're approaching the hotel, there's a huge bottleneck to get into the hotel. And it's just a mob of people. We're like, whoa, this is a little crowded here. And so we're having a hard time getting into the building. And so we're like, we have we're supposed to present. We've got to get in there. And so there's this big escalator that you have to take up. So everybody's funneling into the escalator. And then we get to the top of the escalator and the whole mezzanine is just packed with people. And we're, we're like, I know the room is right there around the corner and we're just kind of snaking through kind of rudely pushing people out of the way. And we realize that it's all trying to get into this one small room that is just packed. And it takes us like. 10 minutes to work our way to the front right when it's starting. And it was just a mob of people. And what it turned out was this is actually something that people were interested in and just literally hearing these stories.
0: Well, I mean, if you dissect that, right, you had all the elements of a really great um, session or course or anything because you saw like you dissected it. Okay. We have a bunch of people who are members of students and then where do well, let's track those people over time. Where do they go? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. That's weird. Yep. Like, did all of a sudden, did their interest change or whatever? No. And then you use the word that I use a lot, which is path. There was no clear path defined. And we are, you know, smart animals, but we're pretty much animals. And if there's no path, we're just like, I don't know. There's nobody going that way. A lot of people going this way. I don't know. I guess I'll go this way. And there's no easy path. People just get lost and they'll, they follow the loudest voice or the thing that everybody is telling them. So you did that and then you went further into saying, well, what do they need? Like, is it is it a course or is it literally just watching people tell their story how I went from A to B to C? And then because now they can the audience, the attendees can hear them and put themselves and go, yeah, no, that lights me up. That's cool. That's all right. But this one, that third girl that talked, oh, God, she was great. I want to do what she did. And I didn't yep. know I could. And the funny thing is, even as adults, full fledged adults with college degrees, we honestly we see we look for uh, permission and, and 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 we don't think we have authority.
1: But when and, you see, and you look for someone who looks like you as well, yeah. and to, to and and tells the story of a path that's very similar to where you're starting at, and so that's why we made a, a concerted effort to try to have some diversity up there as best we could, and and to show all the different ways people got there. It wasn't just everybody doing a residency it was, you know, we, uh, Carrie Melanue, who's the the head guy for Duke. He talks about his first job out of school. One of his first jobs out of school was working the cash register at a gas station. And he did that before he went to PT school. I mean, he was like not on the track to even go to college. And then he, he's now the head person at Duke university. I mean, it's like mind blowing how this guy does a story. And I remember we had, uh, another person would be, uh, that we kind of dragged into it and he was just scratching his head. I was like, why am I doing this? It was, uh, Aaron Burrell, who's the, the head for the international, uh, Indianapolis Colts. And it was funny because after he finished his talk, he came off the, the, uh, the dais and he was like, it hit me when I was talking this, I would have given my left arm to watch that talk when I it's was coming young. out of school. Yeah. It, it was like, it, it, it cause you're these, these people who have made it and here's the, the dirty little secret. None of us have any idea what we did. No. It's just, and when we look back, it's always like, oh, that's just a weird series of connections that ended up with me being here. How is that interesting? It's like, that's exactly how it's interesting is to show people how, how these things work and how this process works.
0: It really opens up the possibilities for students or like I, I mean, we say students love, but it really is like when I mean, you mentioned people just looking for a change, it's like I can. And if if I see someone like me, I'll follow that path. I'm given a talk that I've given before numerous times. I've given it as a student, as a graduate this Saturday, North Carolina student conclave. And the talk is people like, tell us your story. Tell us about the funny things that Ray had Howard Stern. And and when you met Eminem and screwed it up, like, I, I sprinkle those in. But what I at the end, I, what I want people to see is like, dude, I'm weird. Like I host podcasts and videos and stuff like that in PT. But the point that I try to leave people with is what, like, this is my thing. Like, I love this. Like, look at this is my living room, right? I got microphones and stuff like that. Like, this is my thing. Whatever your thing is, can you attach it? Is there a clear line from A to B in physical therapy? If there, and we know from geometry, there's a clear line between any two things. Um, yep. if not not re- to quote
1: Shakespeare, Shakespeare, but to thine own self be true.
0: Right, what he said. See, he's better with the quotes, and that's that's all I try. I tell people all the time: success for me is when someone in two or three or five years comes up and say, "Hey, man, I was," and someone recently did this. Hey, man, I was in the audience in Portland, and I heard you talk. And now, and I go, and I just do that whole Gene Wilder where I'm like, "Yes," and now, what are you doing? Uh, you know, we had somebody on the show not long ago who said, Hey man, I moved from Pennsylvania to Vermont. Cause I was just like, I want to be a ski and snowboard PT. And I want to have my own clinic. And I was like, that's awesome. Now I'm, I'm live on the air on the air with him. I'm live on the internet, internet with him. And he goes, and I didn't know this, but he's like, I, I did it because of your podcast. And I was literally like, uh, what? He's like, I heard so many people come on your show and just say, I wanted to do it. So I did it. And then I did it. So he's like, why not me? And I was like, Fuck. Yeah. Like, that's the only time I like, you know, let's it's time to use an expletive. it was like, fuck. Yeah, man. Like you did it. And like, and now what now you have your own practice and you're in Vermont and you just ski and snowboard all day and you talk ski and snowboard all day. But if anybody can walk away with that and go, hey, what's my dot
1: and where do I want it to go? Like this profession, this profession also needs that. Very much so. Very much so. That's one of those things that, um, you know, having, you know kind of it's one of those things you know we it, people are always asked like you know cut your own path cut your own path and and I'm big on that for sure but also once you've cut a path turn around and put your hand out and try to help people down that path try to solidify that path making a, a a new pathway to get as many people through that as possible and then somebody's going to cut a whole new path as well and so that's the thing where it's it's always you know Always take the time to look back. That's the thing that, you know, I and, and people will think, well, so we should look back historically. It's like, well, yeah, looking back historically is definitely important, but definitely it's a matter of looking back to the people coming up behind you to make sure that you're being um, almost like good tenants. You know, we don't own any of this. We're just right. renting it from from the you know, we're, we're inheriting it from the people that came before us. And then we're going to pass it on to the people that come behind us. And we're not doing our profession a favor unless we are actually making that transfer back.
0: Leave it better than you found it. Yeah. Because someone took care of it before you got there. So uh, many faces of sports uh, PT. You lot, you had that and we heard about you thinking that nobody was going to be there. And then I had this picture on before. And that seems like a pretty big freaking room man and of course i love how like it's hard to tell here but like the back of the room is full Like, can we can we like normalize sitting in the front of a conference like we're not gonna this is not who's the guy with the uh this is not a gallagher show watermelons and the hammers like Eric, like come to the front all right don't be scared but if you ever
1: come come to a session go to the front right and that's where i'll be sitting i always go. go all the way to the front sit to the right and usually i'm the only one over there I like it. Um, but, uh, many faces
0: of sports PT. You found it a sig. We've talked about that before. You were just like, you opened your mouth and stuck your foot right in it. You were like, Hey, what about, what about hip? And they were like, great. Guess who's got the ball. Congratulations. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and you did what? You passed that off. Now other people are taking are taking that on course. Then you did pro. What, what's the what's the 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 position you have when you were in charge of programming for CSM and whatever programming? chair? So uh,
1: yeah, was section program chair. The uh, the APTA has uh, you know they put on CSM, but then it's kind of a conference within conference since the combined sections. And so each section or academy has their own programming chair to be in charge of all the programming that that academy is going to put on.
0: Yeah, so you've done so that.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: uh, I feel like we're just going through Eric's IMDb page right now. <laughs> well, you've done a lot of stuff, and now I guess it's time to take like a. I mean, you've been doing it for 15 years in the with mm-hmm. within the academy. Now it's time to take a take a leap. What are we doing?
1: Yeah, so I am uh, currently running for the, the president elect position for the academy, and uh, that the the voting doesn't open until April 1st. Um, it's one of those things that uh, so in, in the academy, because people always ask, well, "Why do you keep saying president elect?" It's yeah. like, well, because the, the Academy votes in the upcoming president, so they're the president-elect. They then serve one year as the in the elect position so that they can serve with the current president to get that handoff, that transition, to go more smoothly. So they have a year of that, and then they take over uh, as president the following year. So it would be, um, you know, if if I were to win this election— then I would be president-elect starting this summer, and then I would be the the president the following summer for the next three years.
0: Where does the... Uh, so if, if you're in sports physical therapy, whether you're a member or not, whether you're a member or we say potential member, right? Potential mm-hmm. member of the yep. sports, uh, the Academy of Sports uh, Physical Therapy. What, um, what are the things that it that it needs to do or where does it need to go i mean you laid this out pretty clearly we've shared the the, the video uh well done because it sounded more clear than than you know this didn't sound po- political at all it sounded really like okay so this is a strategic plan and here are the you know points that we need to follow in the major areas what are what are the things that uh that the the academy needs to pay attention to in the next couple of years
1: because you're so, talking so
0: about first planning
1: yeah 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 and so so the the first and foremost thing that to get to to point out is how how long the academy has been around where it's coming up on uh, on 50 years now and it's wow. just been um just phenomenal obviously it's done so much for me uh but it's one of those things that you know it's kind of hit its limit a little bit on growth on where it can go it is currently the second largest academy but it's not even half as large as our largest which would be orthopedics it, yeah. and so it's been kind of stuck in its size for a little bit and so part of what i'm looking at is you know like i said before how do we how do we grow this and how do we get it to serve its purpose a little bit better? Um, and so I see some growing pains that have been kind of left over from from the years of doing that. And so I, I put out five major points, and I've been posting a blog post every week, um, uh, the five weeks running up to the April first um, uh, election, and uh, where I kind of highlight some of these a little bit. And I can go over them a, a bit here. The first thing I would like to see is for the academy to have a five-year strategic plan, and so what is that? That is actually where the academy leadership would sit down and say, where do we want to be in five years? And then, so you start kind of shooting, setting up some goals. Now, I'm not saying that five years would be the only plan. You look at APTA, uh, they famously made um, Vision 2020, which was something that they made in 2000. So it was a 20 year strategic plan. Where do we want to see ourselves in 20 years to really set that super high goal this is important to do, and it's not something that the academy has ever done before. they They definitely do strategic planning uh, specifically within the executive committee. but it's never been something that's been public and and been kind of a signpost, and it's never been anything that actually is set to be five years. And so the idea is it's something in writing, it's set for five years. It, it should outlast uh, any single term. Uh, so it's something that gets carried through across a couple different uh, 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 administrations, for lack of a better word. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of times you're making decisions about something and there's like three or four ways you can make the decision that are all kind of equal to solve the problem that's right in front of you that moment. But with a five- year strategic plan, you might find that actually there's one of these decisions, one of these choices that actually sets us up for the next choice, which sets us up for the next choice, which gets us to that five year plan. So having that kind of signpost is something that's really important uh, to shoot for.
0: It's also good. I mean, you mentioned um in terms of growing pains, knowing knowing where an organization's going, that's a big um, decision a point in decision making when if I would want to join that. like, Hey, we're going. Where are you going? Yeah. I don't know. We're you know this way. Uh, or hey, we're going. Here is exactly where we are going. If you join us, we're doing this, this and this. Like so, I think that first point and as you, as you highlighted, if it's going to, you know, last several administrations, otherwise, you know, you're zigging and zagging. You want to you want to make sure we're moving we're moving at least generally in this direction. And as we know from physical therapists, uh what gets measured gets done. So if you're going to if you're going to say we're going to go that way,
1: we're going to go
0: that way. So be there.
1: Yeah, so that would be the, the first one, and then the next one would be to set a uh, to set a research agenda of some sort. And so it's very similar to the strategic plan, but it's where um, you know you would have a, a different parties. So it would be clinicians, researchers, ideally meta scientists. And I've I've actually reached out a couple meta scientists. So what is a meta scientist? They're yeah. the people who study the science of science, and so they're the ones who are looking at methodology. How do you how do you actually know the things that you know? And do you actually know them? And because that's where we find ourselves in trouble is when we think we have the answer to something, but the reality is, is that we are wrong and just don't know it. And so that's where, you know, sciences are really, really important. So kind of getting them all together and asking a question from a clinical perspective of what do we want to know? Once you ask the question of what do you want to know? It's not a simple ma- matter of saying, all right, well, what's the single study we would do to answer this question? no. It's going back and saying, all right, what do we actually know right now? And what would be the next step to move us towards this question, getting this question answered? And oftentimes it's 30 different studies that have to be done. Some of them small, some of them large, some of them dialing into just mechanistic questions. Um, All of them should be replicated. You know That's how science works. All of them should be pre-registered in some way. Ideally, uh, have the actual uh, methods actually reviewed before the study is even conducted to make sure the study is going to actually answer the question that the researchers think it's going to answer. Exactly. And so having that all set up ahead of time, and the idea here would be to, to lay that out, and again, we talked about this before, laying a path for the researchers to start filling in those gaps specifically. Part of what this will do is actually be a signal to journals to say, we want these types of things published. They will be read and they will be cited because it is part of our research agenda. Now, big, large labs might be saying, well, we already already have this. We already do this. That's great to answer maybe the one question they're looking at but this is something that can scale to a massive size where we can actually show if we know what the next step is, a couple of groups can raise their hands and say, Hey, I can actually do step number two. I'm set up for that. So I'm going to do that part while, and somebody else will say, well, I can do the replication. And over here, somebody can say, well, I can do step one. Uh, and so you actually can kind of divide and conquer a little bit to let, uh, more people get involved in that process. And the idea there is if you have some sort of overarching, um, uh, agenda to it, people can just plug themselves in as they see fit. And, and I hear this a lot from early career researchers in particular is they're like, we don't know where, where we should be starting. And if we have this laid out, I, I think that's kind of a huge thing. And that's, that's something an academy is very capable of doing. We have a lot of researchers within the academy. We have a research committee, uh, that can actually handle all these things, uh, internally and, and all volunteer, So it, it doesn't really cost anything either.
0: Was was that part of uh, Was that part of the idea changing from a section to an academy? I mean, I remember people talking about in terms of like you know research and and, and being more similar to, to to our colleagues in medicine. Um, a component of that.
1: It's part of the consistency of language that uh, that APTA has been pushing for. Um, that a lot of the academy sections and academies, or or what we call components, uh, have actually kind of pushed towards is to to so that a physician, for example, a physician colleague knows what that is so you say section to a orthopedic surgeon they don't they don't know what a section is but you say an academy they know what academies are because that that's kind of their thing it's also similar to the way that we got rid of all of the uh, alphabet soup so to speak if people aren't familiar with that the APTA made it the standard is that your 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 license and your um and your degree or the so PT DPT And nothing else you really would add, maybe uh, if you're a fellow, but like your board certifications and those types of things, you put that, you have to write that out below so that your, um, your colleagues and also your patients understand what that is. And when people get confused about that, I say, you never see an orthopedic surgeon write, you know, Jane Doe, MD, uh, board certified orthopedic surgeon as like a, an acronym, They write MD and then they write what their certification is below.
0: Yeah. So just using the same language and being very clear about it. Yep. All right. Strategic plan, research angle. Um, What else does the academy need?
1: Uh, So the other part here is I think that it needs a little more organizational structure. And so I've started as the representative at large, which is an executive committee member uh, position. I started in that position back in 2019. And the first thing I did is I looked at the way our SIGs were organized and it pretty much was just SIG chair and maybe a vice chair. So our special interest groups. And so getting, um, actually kind of trying to create more leadership opportunities to give people like instruction to say, um, you're, you're tasked with practice related issues. And so giving them the the, the freedom to do anything within those boundaries right. and, and kind of play off the creativity of our members from that perspective. Because before, what would happen is anybody wanted to do anything, it had to run all the way up to the executive committee to make the decision. And the micromanagement is, it just gets tiring and, and it really gets stifling. The other thing, having a very small kind of leadership, um, hierarchy so to speak uh is is it, it kind of lends itself to a lot of kind of nepotism where you kind of are recycling the same people over and over again because you know you, you go with the people you know and you trust uh you're not intentionally trying to do that but a lot of times what this ends up doing is is um expressing itself with a little bit of a lack of diversity so people who have never had an opportunity to fill a leadership position can't get experience and they can't get any leadership positions if they don't know anybody and they don't know people who don't look like them a lot of times. And so trying to create more opportunities that are kind of quote unquote low risk to let people step in, If they fail. It's no big deal. You know, the, you're not going to take the whole Academy down with you. Um, but it gives you an opportunity to step up and show what you can do and then demonstrate your skills.
0: That sounds more like, um, uh, an incubator, right? I mean, that's how like business yes. incubators and 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 innovation incubators work. It's just like, you know, it's always like the it's, you know, I mean, look at sports. A lot of times. Yeah. Those first round draft picks pan out. And a lot mm-hmm. of times Tom Brady's come out of nowhere and wind up win a gajillion Super Bowls. But it's yeah. how do you know unless you unless you know, unless you give it a try. So, um, yeah.
1: And so we, we look at the, the kind of the face of the academy being our leadership and our presenters. and And a lot of times the two are linked together. And that's something we're trying to uncouple a little bit as well to say, because sometimes great leaders are not great presenters. Right. And sometimes great presenters, they don't need to be in leadership positions. They're really good at at presenting. And so trying to create, uh, like you said, incubators for leadership and also incubators for presentation, too. So trying to do more webinars, again, low risk small venues, let them get some experience and see if they can develop to, to again, be a greater asset for the, uh, I mean, we're selfish. This is so that we have better leaders and better, uh, and better presenters within the Academy.
0: All right. Uh, more information, make sure you follow Eric, uh, on the Twitter and the bird app is what the, the cool kids are calling it. Um, why should someone, if they're listening along, be a member of the American Academy of sports, physical therapy. So we kind of like, like, what's your, what's your, what's your pitch and why someone should be a member.
1: Well, first and foremost, we want you as members and, and we want to support your practice and we want to support your professional development. We are the official sports academy for the entire country for physical therapists And we are nonprofit. We are taking the money that comes in and putting it right back out into services that we provide. And so we've uh, in the last year, we've expanded uh, in a couple of ways around this. We hired a a membership engagement director, uh, Jamie Little, uh, who has really been, you know, he's a full time salaried employee who his job for eight hours a day is to interact with our members and to provide support to them. Uh, With Jamie's assistance, we were able to build the Academy Learning Center, which provides a ton of free content uh, that, again, if you're involved with our special interest groups, they're the ones that really drive this content. So if you're involved, you can produce content yourself, um, or you can just take the content and you get CEUs and everything from that. Um, Also, we launched, we have our own social media platform. I mean, how Mm -hmm. many academies have that? So it's called mobilize. Uh, It's just like, uh, you know, it's not exactly like Twitter, but it's a lot like Twitter, where it's only for academy members and it's divided into these different threads from the SIGs and then just a general thread as well that people can go on there and they can interact, and there's a ton of uh, f- kind of free mentorship that happens there. People post questions, and then the next thing you know, you've got, you know as you said, George Davies is all of a sudden answering your question, uh, or, or Rob Panarello has been been really big with this um, as well. And so just getting all those resources, uh, again, is just part of your membership. And then we also, you still have access to uh, uh, JOSPT, um, which is our flagship journal, uh, which we do as a collaboration with orthopedics, uh, Academy. And then also uh, sports health journal is something that's included as well, which we do in collaboration with the national athletic trainers association, the American medical society for sports medicine, which is our general practice physicians that we collaborate with and the American, uh, orthopedic society for sports medicine, which is, or the orthopedic surgeons involved, uh, with sports medicine as well. So all of that is all part of it. I would say, I would be shocked if anybody actually can take advantage of everything, every great thing that you get as being an academy member. Yeah,
0: all of that with membership. And so, if you're thinking about it, I tell people all the time: if you're thinking about it, take just say I'm going to invest for one year, and but then you have to add, you have to you know put some time into you know interacting. And if you do, and you don't get more than the money, uh, leave. But most people, when they take that one year test driver, like, oh, okay. Um, Teo, one of our producers, we'd mention more, saying Mobilize app is great. DEI group on Mobilize is free without membership as well, in case you did not know that. And Teo,
1: Yeah, so our DEI group, uh, DEI is something that is is kind of a uh, – it's been a little bit of a sticking point for me for a long time um, Of of – Uh, we do fairly well on the, on the gender side. Our, our numbers are pretty much 60, 40 split, uh, 60% male, 40% female, but our representation at present at, at, um, at CSM in particular, our main conference that we were doing um, is pretty much balanced in that perspective. But when it came to Um, To our minority members, uh, we just weren't seeing the representation there. And so it was something that we started a task force back in 2019 to take a look at our numbers and say, are we demonstrating the representation that we need? And then we actually uh, encouraged one of our members uh, who was doing a thesis to actually do it as a formal investigation investigation. And we we were not satisfied. We weren't satisfied with where we were, and so at CSM last year in 2020, we formed a DEI committee uh, from that task force, uh, which was tasked with putting together some solutions to this. And one of the solutions that was put together was to form a DEI community. And so, to Teo's point, one of the things we realized was we don't have a lot of members that are that are minorities. And so how do you engage with them if you require them to be a member in order to engage? And this has been an issue because what we actually have found is that most of these members are also not APTA members. So it's not just a matter of getting them to join the academy. We have to get them to join the APTA in the first place. And so we actually have a a complete, um, I think it's a WhatsApp group that you can join for free. You just go on our on our website, uh, which is just AASPT.org. Uh, and I think there's a leak, link in there somewhere to our DEI initiatives. And uh, you can start engaging right away. And they even have, um, we even have state representatives that are DEI focused. And they also do not have to be members because we are trying to get engagement with non-members as much as possible to hear their voice and to find how do we serve how do we serve them better? And, and honestly, it's the same way we serve any of our other members. Give them opportunities to develop professionally and to give back. Right. Open those doors as much as possible, and make make everybody feel welcome and feel like they are contributing to the uh, the organization.
0: Well, it sounds like you you paid attention, right? How come? What? Well, first, you have to do the hard thing, which is look internally and say we want to be this, but we're we're like this, so we don't yeah. have enough minority representation. Okay, great. Um what do we do? Start a group. But you recognize that the barrier might be, hey, people that we're looking to engage with, the people might who might be a great fit for our organization, they're not APT members, which means that they're not they they're definitely not uh, Academy members. How do we do that? So you just built a side door. Yep. Lack of well, and, and, let
1: me, and let me give you the kind of the way this breaks down. So the first question we have to ask is, do, does our face look like our membership? So our presenters and our leaders, the answer was, was no, that that's the first question there. But the second question is, do our members look like our profession? And when we say profession from an academy, we're saying sports, physical therapists, what is the, what are the demographics of sports, physical therapists? And does our academy match that? Because if the answer is no, then something is limiting that access in some way. And I will say that's really a hard question for us to answer. And then it gets a whole lot deeper because the more the most important thing from a public health perspective, and, and when we start talking about social determinants of health and some of these things, do, does our profession look like the community that they serve? Now, when we talk about sports physical therapists, do they look like the athletes who they, whom they serve? And I would say a far cry from it. And so now we have to establish, okay, how do we create the the pathway to solve every step of that, that line of questioning? And the, the answer to that is we're not going to solve that in a year. We're not going to solve that by going to some, to a rally or something like that. This is something that's going to take, uh, and, and the way I always put it is, you know, systematic or sorry, systemic racism takes a systematic process. You have to intentionally set things in place to start trying to move the needle and then have a process for getting feedback on whether that needle is moving and whether we need to change our strategies. And so what I will say is we have a lot of things that we're working on. We have a lot of things that we're trying. We know not all of it's going to work and we're going to, we're not going to accept that we quote unquote tried, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that needle moves.
0: Yeah. Hope's not a plan, right? A plan's a plan. No, it's not. Hope so that's right we hope it'll get better we think it will we think it might mm-hmm. uh jd uh chiming in saying you also helped maryland when they started their de night committee so jd's uh, chiming in as well uh jason had a quick question and i didn't see this before how does sports pt in the u.s differ from sports physio in the uk europe or australia what if anything can we learn from them i know jason's asking this he was a, a sports uh physio over in ireland before he came over here to the u.s so mm-hmm. uh talk about that What what are the things that you've
1: learned from colleagues around the world Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Jason probably knows better than I do, but, uh, so over there, like sports physios in most of the the rest of the world. So they don't have athletic trainers. So everything that athletic trainer does a sports physio does over there. And, and what I will say is obviously there's a, there's a lot that we can learn from that on that perspective. We can also learn from our athletic trainers from that perspective as well. And, and the thing I like to point out is, uh, I feel, I feel lucky here in the U S that when I'm in that situation, I have an athletic trainer that I can lean on. Uh, to, to learn that, but, or, or to get, get that assistance and I can specialize in what I specialize in. But what I will say is over there, a lot of times they have uh, a little more autonomy as far as what, what they can do and develop to. So in, in particular, like in the UK, they can actually, uh, a physio over there can continue to advance their, their training to the point where they're actually acting as a primary care physician, basically. So they, they do triage, they do, um, they can do injections, they can order radiographs and these types of things. And I I think that's something that I would love to see our profession kind of step into that role of being kind of the, the gatekeeper, so to speak of, of orthopedics of musculoskeletal. I mean, uh, somebody twists their ankle, they shouldn't have to go to their general practitioner because what's the general practitioner going to do? They're going to say, well, do you have high blood pressure? (laughs) You know, do you have, we're going to look for some systemic things. We're going to look for, for some of these other things. But as far as the ankle is concerned, you know, a a physical therapist is more than qualified to, uh, you know, apply the Ottawa ankle rules, make that assessment, see if that person needs a radiograph, see if they need to be, um, if they can just be managed conservatively with some simple interventions um, should be able to, you know, provide an injection order for some basic uh you know anti-inflammatories things like that and honestly this is very similar what we see in our military model here in the united states which which i think is a little more kind of in line and again you have to get extra training to get this in some of those other countries as well so
0: right that's what i was thinking when you were mentioning all those things i was like we we talk about those with audience with with guests and, and people in the audience about that's the military model in fact some of the people who've gone through pt school and go to the military model are in for culture shock when they, if they ever leave, or if they ever you know leave that model, they're like, wow, I totally forgot that we weren't at this point yet.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the issue is, I mean, you have like in the military and also in a lot of those overseas uh, countries is that they're, they're the way their payer uh, orientation is set up. is kind of different. And so, yeah, exactly. So what are the incentives? And so right. the, the issue would be is uh, as a physical therapist who is focused on public health, and and minimizing costs uh you would have to see yourself as that gatekeeper who's not going to just you know basically d- now see this ankle sprain for 50 visits just because okay. you can uh we would have to really kind of self-regulate uh pretty yeah. aggressively if we were to do that
0: all right uh so you know i want people to hear more about the plan the sportspt.com uh at eric mara on twitter um voting starts april 1st which i think is um, April Fool's Day, which, you know, mm-hmm. that's, always, that's always an interesting day to start. Something. Yeah, hey, as
1: a joke, vote for me.
0: As a joke, vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ready to play three questions? Yeah, shoot. Let's do three questions right now. Three questions brought to you by our friends at Fusion Medical Staffing. If you are uh, thinking about uh, taking your PT degree, moving it about the country, do what you want to do, where you want to do it as a travel physical therapist. FusionMedStaff.com. They now have uh, job transparency. That was the thing, right? People are always like, well, I, I just want to know, like, I have to engage with a recruiter for how long before I actually get to the job. They're just like, all right, we'll just remove that. So here's job transparency. Here's the job Do you want it? Let's talk more. So find out uh, more about where you can take your career at FusionMedStaff.com. All right. So, Eric, you're in the Pacific Northwest. um, But once you're free to move about the country and everything's safe and we're all vaccinated, where's somewhere you're itching to go in the 50 U.S.? Where's someone you want to travel?
1: Hey, I'll call my shot right now. I'd like to uh, I'd like to go to Atlanta.
0: Yeah. up.
1: Just because I, I grew up in, in the South. I grew up in South Florida, which is yeah. too South to be called the South. <laughs> um, But that was our, you know, we had Miami, but you know, back when I was growing up, the Miami Dolphins were our only sports team. And so, and, and pretty much that and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which back then was not even barely a team. And so everything was Atlanta sports and, and I always loved it, but I haven't been there in uh-huh. probably 25, 30 years. So if anybody wants to host a course in Atlanta for me, Let's do hey, it. Here's my call out. Yeah, let me know.
0: Yeah, do it. Uh so we asked the first question because yeah, if where there are people like Atlanta, why not uh why not te- I always tell people it's like a test, it's like a clinical, but paid, right? Or test drive it. Yeah. If I'm gonna move to Atlanta, like I don't know, do you do you want to move to Atlanta? Why not go work there for like 13 weeks before you figure it out? Do that mm-hmm. as a travel PT, fusionmedstaff.com. Second question is a what so- uh, what question? What's something you've watched, read, listened to, a book, movie, podcast that you think the audience would get value from?
1: I actually just read uh, The Food Lab by Kenji Alt Lopez, uh, who is a former MIT uh, graduate who just really geeks out on the science of cooking. And the reason I really like it is first off, the introduction, and, and it's, you know, people will be like, well, what's, what's a good recipe from it? It's like, it's not a cookbook, it's not a recipe book. There are recipes in there. But the whole point is if you read it, you will understand the chemical processes of cooking. And understand like why you would use baking soda versus versus baking powder, for example. And I will say right now, the introduction to that book is some of the best science writing I've ever read. And I actually found pearls in that introduction that relate to physical therapy practice.
0: Wow, That is the food lab. That's what it's called called the
1: food lab yeah it's a big big honking book though uh it's, it's such not. an eric
0: mara uh pick i love it it's, it's so on brand <laughs> i'm not surprised by this at all love that last uh last question on three questions is a who question who is someone we should know more about and leave it open ended
1: on purpose um hey i only got pick one you can pick more you know, I would say uh someone I have really been impressed with and I have to and I've been very very thankful for his help in the last year has been uh Tim Vidal who is our director uh he's the the chair of our uh DEI committee and our DEI community. He's been really driving that forward and he was someone that was really instrumental for you know in this past year, you know, with with the murder of George Floyd and and, and you know the uh, the um, police brutality and all these things that we were, that was kind of brought. You know, I don't want to say that all of a sudden we're dealing with it. It's like no, all of a sudden we're recognizing it. Right. Uh, little- he was really helpful for for understanding. You know, some of the dialogue around that. We actually had him and, and Deidre Debman, is another member of our DI committee, um, had them on our on on PT inquest just to talk. What are these? What are these issues? What is what does this mean? Um, trying to get a little bit of of empathy across that, and um, so. Um, you know, both both of them are just phenomenal and I highly recommend looking into into both of them. They're they're just amazing um mentors just across the uh, uh the academy and across BT as well.
0: Love it. See, that's why we asked that question, because you get to you get to
1: bring up people like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um uh, now let's do uh, last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. Let's do our parting shot always gotta have shots, especially on CIP. Parting shot brought to you by our friends, the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. You find them online at orthopt.org. I, ho- is, I hope it's not like a, it's like a rival gang thing or anything, right, Eric? No, you can, no big you, deal, can, right? you can join both. <laughs> you can join both. Yeah, uh, a lot of crossover. Uh, current concepts of orthopedic PT, I know I've seen a lot of people taking the OCS, the uh, board certification exams in the last couple of weeks and talking about that and the anxiety. Unfortunately, the common thread seems to be the anxiety leading up to that. Uh, current concepts of ortho PT uh, a great path, a great guide to feeling confident and competent. So, find that online at orthopt.org. All right, parting shot. What would you want to leave the audience with today as we wrap up?
1: I would say uh, always be questioning what you know and what you believe. Uh, always understand that there's other viewpoints um, and that always try to get a sense of of why somebody would believe the thing that they believe um, you know from that empathy per- perspective when dealing with patients for example always be asking them questions and allowing them to explore their own their own truth their own reality I think that's that's extremely important uh, but also for yourself as well you know the more varied your belief structure I think the better you are as not just as a as a clinician but as a person. Love that.
0: Eric Mara, uh, always good to catch up. Hopefully we could do it, uh, in person sometime soon when things are safe, but, uh, looking forward to it. Love that you, uh, laid out a a real clear plan there, you know, good luck with everything. And, uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. You guys are always doing great. work. The P.T. Pinecast is
0: a product of P.T. Pinecast, LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our Chief Connections Officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. <laughs> and it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second-year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or
1: Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you.
0: It's it's awesome. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend.
1: This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More
0: on the show at ptpinecast.com.